Hi, I'm Tej Singh, and welcome to Office Hours with Dorm Room Fund, where we interview some of the most successful people in startups, technology, and corporate America. Dorm Room Fund is a student-run venture capital firm backed by First Run Capital. We write seed checks of $20,000 into startups founded by fellow students. Since our founding in 2014, we've funded over 275 startups, which are now collectively worth over a billion dollars and have gone on to raise over $500 million in follow-on funding from Sequoia, Andreessen Horowitz, Excel, and others. To pitch us, go to dormroomfund.com. Enjoy this episode. Hi, I'm Tage Singh, and today I'm interviewing Drew McElroy, the co-founder and CEO of Transfix. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us here today. Hi, Tage. Thanks for having me. So tell us about your uh, your childhood. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a uh, blue-collar suburban town in central New Jersey called Milltown. I grew up in uh, Marlboro. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, Middles- Middlesex County. I, I grew up in Milltown. Um, went to public school uh, in Milltown, and then I, I wound up going uh, to a high school called Lawrenceville. It's a little bit further south, down by Princeton. Yeah, I went to a prep super school. Super good school. Yeah. yeah, it was a very uh, intense life experience, that's for sure. Did you apply to Endover or Exeter? Or- no, I, I, I <laughs> that's funny. I was, uh, as you can perhaps imagine, pushed by my parents to, to, to strive as high academically as I possibly could, but I put my foot down at boarding. Uh, it was one thing to, to actually go to one of these schools. I didn't think I was prepared to live at one as well. So, no, I, I applied to, you know, all the New Jersey ones, right? Lawrenceville and Petty and Hun and uh, and Princeton Day and all those schools. Yeah, I'm surprised those schools still existed at, uh, back then. Uh, I'll tell you, man, they've, uh, I'll tell you, if nothing else, the tuition is, has changed <laughs> a lot. I mean, they were expensive then, but now I think they're, they're eye-bleedingly expensive. I mean, you know, I, I've... I've said for I genuinely have mixed exper- uh, emotions about the experience. It was, um, frankly, even today, I, I genuinely think high school was probably the hardest thing I've ever done, uh, which is crazy. But it, but Lawrenceville is sure tough, man. And uh, I'll tell you, if nothing else, it gives you a lot of confidence for everything else you encounter for the rest of life. Yeah, and high school also has that pressure of having to get good grades to get a good college. Whereas college, it's like whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I um, uh, so my 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 dad was an ex marine. Uh, and he was also, uh, I was also the first person in my family to go to college. So my dad had a very sort of crack the whip approach to things without necessarily, you know, bluntly speaking, even knowing exactly other than just do well and we'll figure it out. So yeah, there was always a lot of pressure, but you know, it's probably a good thing. If you can handle it, pressure is usually good. So you got good grades and everything? Uh, I always got pretty good grades. I, I always worked hard enough to like do well and like make Dean's list or honor roll or however you want to measure it. But I was never, I was never the 4.0, the 4.0 kind of kid. And, you know, my dad would always bust my chops, of course, like you can do better, you can do better. And my, my point was always, you know, maybe, right? Like if I, if I really went, you know, nuts, could I, could I get to the, you know, the, the absolute highest grades? Probably. But to me, the, um, the incremental cost or the opportunity cost of going from a three five to a four zero was going from having you know frankly I had a great time in high school and you know most of the kids who had a four didn't and so I'd rather be the three five with a little bit of fun than the four zero and you know maybe not. What are some of your best memories from high school and uh, middle school? <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to, to share those. Um, it's funny everyone says that like the biggest CEOs. Everyone always says that you know, I can't share. I did you know crazy shit in high school. No, I mean honestly, man, it's I, like I, I I kid, but like I think I was I think I was at my wackiest either you know senior year of high school or, or you know freshman year of college. But what what I can say is that um, I was very fortunate that 
uh, I've had great friends that are that are to this day my friends, and I I know where all the bodies are buried. But what's interesting is even though they were hooligans and I was a hooligan, you know, we're still kind of hooligans, but we've grown up into be more successful, more you know, at least some of the time, mature hooligans. And what's great about it is you take. Like going back to the whole three three five versus four zero conversation, you take those relationships forward for the rest of your life. And the folks that that I consider like my genuine life friends, I mean the the stuff that they've done and they continue to do is is amazing. Which is you know most makes you proud, and it also you know helps, right? Like you know life is largely about networking and and making things happen collectively. And you know the more people that you can call upon, the the more and the, therefore the more resources you can wrangle. Generally, the more you can accomplish, I think. Have you seen the movie Tag, where the uh, it's uh, the guy from Mad Men? What's his name? Uh, uh, I, I don't know the guy from Mag- Mad Men's name, but I actually watched that movie. Sort of, I watched it on a flight with my girlfriend, who was actually watching it with like me having one of yeah. the things in. But it's kind of silly. But they 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 have the twenty year uh, tag yeah, battle, it's right? Like the same thing where you grow older, but you're still having fun. As well, and, and Hawkeye from the Marvel movies, I think, is the guy that they can never tag in that movie, right? Yeah, yeah, that's very funny. What are some of your favorite shows to watch? So man, I don't know. I do this now. I don't really watch TV that much. So like I'll, I'll watch, I'm a big sports fan. So I will watch sports. Um uh my girlfriend does yell at me because if I'm watching TV with her, I'm putting on like CNBC or something like that. And she's like, "Would you would you stop?" But I'm like, "Oh, Casper just IPO'd yesterday. I got to see what's going on." Um so yeah, I mean, I if I have time to like just, you know, just veg, I'll either I'll either read if I'm being, you know, like, you know, productive in my in my vegetative state, or if I really just want to like let my brain shut off, I'll, I'll actually play video games. That I'll have more fun with that than I will like just sitting there watching TV. So Fortnite, PUBG. No, so I I got into a little bit of the uh, uh, what was the uh, the 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 Call of Duty that had the the open world. I was met, but I mainly play sports games. Like I'll play like NBA 2K or FIFA or something like that because really. I'm just by my nature. I'm just a competitor, uh, and so you can you can do that in the in the first person shooters. But I usually get shot, and then I get all pissed off. But like the sports games, I'm actually decent at, and so that's uh, I like to keep the I like to keep my competitive you know fires stoked. Elon Musk also plays a lot of video games. Does he? Yeah, <laughs> something tells me Elon would smoke me in just about anything, any sort of competitive thing we did. But I would I would certainly try. That would be an interesting person to play video games with. Do you hang out with any other founders in New York City and you know play either video games or just other stuff and you know, yeah, chill. you know, honestly, the the person that I'm that I'm sort of closest with is actually my my partner, my co-founder. It's very odd. Uh, anybody who's ever met Jonathan and I know. So, so my background is in logistics. So I, I joke, but I'm like the trucking guy from New Jersey, and and Jonathan is 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 uh, Parisian and, and and an engineer. So like we're sort of the odd couple. Uh, and when we founded the company, uh, we actually didn't know we, we we founded the company three days after we met. Um, so it's a very like arranged marriage sort of thing, but, um, we've actually like, he's actually one of my best friends. Uh, and so, um, I, I'm, I'm actually quite boring. I hang out with Jonathan. I hang out with my girlfriend. Occasionally I see my hooligan buddies from New Jersey, but other than that, man, I'm, I'm really, really focused on this right now because you know, it's, it's a calculated decision to, 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 to put the chips in the middle when you have the most leverage and you sacrifice, but Hopefully the outcome is great for everybody. In general, in your life, what's the craziest thing you've done for fun? Oh my god! <laughs> so I um, 
So I've uh, I've been going to the World Series of Poker uh, since I was like 17 and like playing, you know, probably with a fake ID and things like that. And uh, there was a time when I when I did really well in a tournament uh, and I actually I actually flew some people from New Jersey to Vegas to be my to be my cheering drunken cheering section at, during a poker tournament. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um uh, and then probably the other, well, I studied abroad in Australia when I was, I was an undergrad, um, and I actually won a poker tournament in Australia uh, right before I was about to leave, like a month before I was going to move back to the U.S. And I mean, it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't a tremendous amount of money, but it was certainly... 50 grand? No, no, less. It was like 22,000 Australian at the time, which was like... 10,000 US, which for inflation, that's pretty big now. Well, and for listen, for a college student, that's a nice way to call me old, by the way. But for a college student, uh, it was a hell of a lot of money. But like, I don't know, man, I think it was just the the Australia somehow infected my brain. I had it, I got it in my head that I didn't want to try to re import this money back into the US because then you'd have to pay taxes and and, and currency conversion and everything else. So I thought the most practical thing to do was to spend it, and I spent all of it in like five weeks traveling. I, we, we spent two weeks in Thailand. We spent two weeks in Japan. We went to a country called New Caledonia, which most people have not heard of, let alone been to. Uh, we traveled all around Australia. And by we, I mean me and just a bunch of buddies that I had like accumulated in Australia. I mean, I was just through a party and it was, um, I mean, listen, I, if I still had the money, I probably wouldn't be talking about it, but I am talking about that, that month. So it was, it was probably money well spent, but not the most practical thing to do. So you must have stayed in the best hotels if you're, you know, spending 22. No, 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 no. It wasn't like that. We, um, (laughs) it was for, there was a lot of us. And like, like I say, two weeks in Japan, two weeks in Thailand, another trip, like that money starts to go really quickly, especially in Tokyo. So I do distinctly remember in Tokyo, I went to check out from the hotel and we may or may not have been at the bar before we had to go to the airport. So I was a little tipsy and, you know, in very Japanese, you know, proper way, they laid out the bill for me to pay, you know, and it was an itemized bill. And so she, the, the woman, I'd never forget, she was wearing white gloves and she starts laying it out and it wound up being like 12 pages long. And I'm like, Oh dear God. And then I look at the final total, which was in yen. And it, it was like, you know, whatever, like 1.8 million. Yeah. I just about had a heart attack. I was like, Oh, we're totally screwed. But like, you know, how much dollars was it? I, I honestly don't. It was like most of the budget of like, cause in two weeks in Thailand, you can do pretty cheaply, but it's tough to not spend a lot of money in Tokyo. So it was, it was probably, you know, 15,000 of the 20 something odd thousand. It was, it was a lot of money. We were in Japan for a long time and Tokyo, is not a cheap place to be have you watched molly's game the movie about uh so i i haven't seen molly's game the i i i think about the the one that came before molly's game which is rounders which is the movie with matt damon and ed norton that's sort of like the the poker movie that i kind of hold up there yeah i forget there was another movie where it's about uh i think maybe matt damon or someone that he knows how he learns how to count cars he goes to mit and then uh they go to vegas and his professor is uh the guy from House of Cards. Yes. Um, the, so that that's the that movie is called Bringing Down the House, yeah, or okay. the book is called Bringing Down the House, and the movie might be called Twenty One. Yes. Yes. Twenty One. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's. Uh, I, I. I'm not a I, blackjack and poker are, are very different. Are yeah. very different. But actually, uh, yeah. That's. Uh, I have seen that movie. It's a good movie. So let's talk about how you. Let's. The, what's the founding story of Transfix? Yeah. So. 
I, I started to mention before I've, I've been in, I've been in logistics my whole life. And actually my, my, my father was in logistics. My, my dad started a logistics company in, in 1987. So I grew up around it. Um, and so my, my first job out of undergrad was I was employee number three and my family's company and my, it was my dad and my mom. And then, so I joined and the, the plan was to basically treat it like a startup, invest some capital and, and, and grow the business. Uh, and so that's what we did. Um, and, and, and so I spent, you know, five years, you know, my early career, surrounded by it and i was just struck uh, frankly by how incredibly stupid uh and wasteful trucking in the united states is historically it's just a giant waste in terms of time and you know the, the truck assets themselves and just incredibly wasteful from a monetary perspective um and i was having these thoughts um at the same time that you know uber and lyft were, were just starting to exist where the concept of ride sharing and frankly all things sharing economy as driven by the phone were becoming prevalent you know 2010 2011 and it struck me that a lot of the principles of ride sharing, which is to say using technology and, and you know, modern data science and mobile phones in the pockets of individuals to collect data could be used uh, to massively, you know, drive efficiency and therefore value creation and trucking. Uh, so that was sort of my observation. And so uh, being the maniac that I am, I was like, well... What else should I do? I'm going to go start a company around this. Like, so the the running joke is, what you started a, a company to put your family's company out of business, and you know, may, maybe a little, but uh, so that was my idea. Um, and then, you know, so so to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, it's I, I joke, but I I I call it my real world MBA. I spent about a year sleeping on couches in San Francisco because I had this idea, and I could articulate the value creation within the supply chain cold. I didn't know shit about raising capital or building a tech stack or any of the other things you need to do to build a tech company. Uh, so what do you do, right? I, I spent a year networking and making friends and asking questions and doing favors. Uh, and the long and the short of it is I got an email one night from a guy by the name of Richard Kirby, who's, who went to Georgetown and is a partner in tech. Uh, he was a partner at Venrock at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, and he's like, you two, it was literally me and, and Jonathan would become my partner. He's like, you two need to meet. Uh, and so, you know, He's like Drew or Jonathan. Uh, Drew is a you know a, an entrepreneur with a hell of an idea, and Drew Jonathan is a hell of a you know an engineer uh, looking for a home. And so what I didn't know, and, and I, I teased Jonathan. So Jonathan was at this point uh, Transfix is Jonathan's fourth startup. So his his last startup had been acquired by Lyft in the Bay Area. What was it called? Uh, it was called Cherry. Uh, so oh. it was on demand car washing. Okay. Uh, so they they got they basically got aqua hired into Lyft. Jonathan didn't want to go to Lyft. Uh, so he moved back to New York and he was an EIR at Venrock. Um, and so sort of the running joke is Jonathan is a brilliant and wonderful engineer, but maybe the partners at Venrock were tired of listening to him pitch ideas that they were never going to fund. And then I was sort of the opposite case, which was, they were like, well, that's a hell of an idea, but that guy has no idea what he's doing. Uh, we should get them married. And so quite literally we got that email. Uh, we met in Brooklyn for, for beers, which became, uh, like five or six beers. Uh, and, Three days later, we were incorporated, and, and wow. we were off to the races, man. And it was—it's uh, been a hell of a ride. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend that strategy uh, because you know your your dynamic and your trust with your co-founder is one of the things that's absolutely paramount to being able to do anything. Um, so maybe we got very lucky. Uh, but but I'll tell you, I wouldn't—you know—don't let him don't don't tell anybody this. But I wouldn't trade him for the world. He's a he's a hell of a partner. Yeah, I hope uh, he's not listening. No, he, he does. He never listens to stuff I do. He finds me boring, so I'm not too worried about that. <laughs> well, so you're speaking a little bit more for people like me who don't know, frankly, anything about the trucking industry. Sure. I have some facts for our audience, so people. Can okay, get yeah, a by bit all more. means. So 
I basically copied these off of articles written for, about transfix. <laughs> so nearly 20% of the miles are driven with uh, empty trailers. Yep. I didn't realize that. So that basically adds 65 billion empty miles in the U.S. every year. 65 billion. And, and the cost of a mile to operate, the, the, the cost to operate a truck for one mile is about $1.70. So you're talking about what? like $100 billion in waste uh, and just empty miles in just the United States in one year. So that's basically value you could capture. Right. I mean, we, we generally eliminate uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 80% of the waste in within the operations of our trucking partners. And so really quickly for people who kind of, for your, who your explanation was kind of abstract, this sure. is, you're basically Uber for trucking. So, or like, I know. I, yeah, 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 I can't, of course, agree to that um, yeah, yeah. description. But yes, I mean, what, what it is, is it's a, a marketplace whereby truck drivers who have our mobile application who need to move their truck from point A to point B come in and make their availability known. On Tuesday, I need to go from Wichita, Kansas to Dallas, Texas. On the other side of the marketplace, we work with, you know, the largest customers, retail, CPG, manufacturing, food and beverage, all brands that everybody has heard of that's very, very large. Um, they tell us we need to ship from Topeka, Kansas to Dallas, Texas. And so we do the matching now. So there are, as you can imagine, similarities to ride sharing. But of course, it's it's quite a bit different. It's it's national geography and it's, you know, goods, uh, not people and, 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 and the like. But the, the principles are the same, which is to say, get more utilization out of already existing assets uh, and make data available to everybody involved and you'll create a better outcome. That's really interesting. So let's end up with uh, some rapid fire questions. Oh if boy, you, rapid if, fire. Okay, I'm ready. If, if you had your own talk show, who would your first three guests be? Oh my gosh. Uh, Elon Musk, that's an easy one. Um, LeBron James. And Carl Icahn. That's, the last one's really interesting. I actually, I actually met Carl uh, personally about, uh, 12 months ago. And I'll just say he's an interesting character in real life. I was, I was sort of blown away by the energy and the like intensity that he radiates, even, you know, as an older gentleman. And so the, I think the ability to draw that out of him, I think would be fascinating. It's hard to earn the title of corporate raider. It, <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, listen, if nothing else, it would be, it would be interesting. All those, all those three that I mentioned are, are controversial, but fascinating, which I think is the point of a good talk show. Would you rather be filthy rich and live 400 years ago or be middle-class today? I would rather be middle class today. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a no brainer. If you could give one sentence advice about how to live life, what would it be? Be good and make yourself happy. Yeah, happiness is a you know important thing that people often get overlooked. I mean, it's kind of the secret of life, right? And like, but the the trick is you can I don't believe you can be happy if you're not good. Like, it's not selfish happy. Like, do do good on behalf of humanity and 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 at the same time also think about yourself and i i think you'll be in a good place what's the best prank you've ever played on someone oh my gosh pass what's the strangest family tradition from when you were younger <laughs> um <laughs> so I, I i say it's strange because uh, so every year on christmas no matter what the situation is where we are in the world my family has to eat baby hot dogs like cocktail weenies which is just ridiculous to begin with but then for the last couple of years as you know started to be a little bit successful uh we've had 
Christmas for the family like catered by a chef so that we can all spend time together and explaining to a private chef that you need them to make cocktail weenies is a is a, a pretty hilarious tradition. Yeah, I, you know, I can imagine that. And our last question, what's something about you that people would be surprised to know? Oh, that's interesting. I kind of wear it on my sleeve. Um, I guess... Uh, really good question of something that people would be surprised to know um i don't know man any fun I, facts what yeah, do you uh, do in your free time what would any interesting stories or accomplishments from when you were uh, in high school uh, uh that's a good question um or what what about um any uh, uh silly facts from when you were younger uh uh so <laughs> college life okay yeah I'll, I'll i'll make fun of myself when i was when i was a kid i convinced myself that I had a disease, that I was somehow negatively impacted by loud noise. So whenever my poor dad would go to these amazing sporting events and we would be fine until it got really loud and then I would like freak out and go running out of the building, which thank God I ran out of, I grew out of, but when I was a little kid, like any loud noise and I would like start crying and freaking out. So thank God I've gotten over that because I get yelled at a lot. So if I was still freaked out by loud noise, I'd be in big trouble. It's a funny story, especially when you work in the trucking industry. Right. <laughs> there's no, there's no shortage of loud noises and yelling and everything else. You gotta, you gotta be pretty tough. Yeah. It, when, it, when you're, Day-to-day life is governed by, by truck drivers and logistics people, and your strategic life is governed by, by VCs and other investor types. You better have thick skin because everybody is coming for you. So Amen. Uh, fortunately, uh, fortunately, I don't let too much get to me. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure, man.